too many movies. I watch too much TV. I have too many kids. And now, we're doing a podcast. The Discerning Geeks Portal. It's time! Welcome back, everyone, to the Discerning Geeks Portal, where this week we will explore a galaxy far, far away. I'm Dave Skywalker, and I'm joined by Obi Dave. Say hey, Obi Dave. No. And Todd Solo. Hi, how's it going? Wait a minute, how come he gets to be Solo? Well, of course, Obi Dave, yeah, never mind. That's okay. Obi Dave, man, that's that's your name. I know. If if you've never... You've never been called Obi Dave by like cute little girls that are like adorable and sweet. You, you just have never lived. Just saying. Sorry. It's better than it's better than you know anything, right? Yeah. Well, Uncle <laughs> Dave sounds kind of creepy, but Obi Dave's like <laughs> cute and and adorable. And so it's like, oh. Okay. Well, with that really really big hint, Todd, I'm gonna let you tell them what movie we decided to review today. Okay, uh, today we are going to review Solo, A Star Wars Story. Yay! Yay! Uh, seeking funds and opportunity to liberate the woman he loves, a young Han Solo ventures into the criminal underworld, meeting Chewbacca, Lando Calrissian, and the Millennium Falcon along the way. Solo is starring Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. It's co-starring Woody Harrelson, Amelia Clark, Donald Glover, Tandy Newton, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Eunice Watano, Paul Bettany, and John Favreau. Wow, Eunice Watano. That's like a Star Wars name just by itself. Yeah, that, that's the guy that plays Chewbacca now. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. It was released on May 25th, 2018, with a rating of PG-13. It was written by Lawrence Kasdan and his son, Jonathan Kasdan, with Lawrence being the writer or co-writer of three previous Star Wars movies, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and The Force Awakens. It was ultimately directed by Ron Howard, who was hired to finish the project after co-directors Phil Lord and Chris Miller were fired over creative differences. And just going back to Eunice Watamo, you mentioned that he's got like a Star Wars sounding name. Uh, he's Finnish from Finland, but uh, he apparently studied here in America. I think he went to Penn State University, if I remember correctly. But, uh, but yeah, he's the new guy that plays Chewbacca. Funny, he doesn't look Finnish. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to throw in a Spaceballs <laughs> reference for any really big geeks out there that got that. Oh wow! Okay, uh, <laughs> what? Just saying. Hey, you, you know, you got to you got to throw it in every now. We're anticipating this is probably our most controversial episode so far. It you is. know, we just kind of still started this you know podcast. We're still kind of young, getting it started. A lot of varying opinions on this movie. Um, I can't wait to talk with you guys, see what you think about it, um, tell you a little bit about what I think about it. So yeah, let's let's dive right in. Who wants to start first? What do we? What did you think of Solo? I love this movie. <laughs> this this is very much like my favorite Star Wars film ever. I mean, all of them, and I'm not just talking like the originals. I'm talking like all of them. Including like Rogue One, all that stuff. 
this is quite possibly my most favorite Star Wars film. Uh, I adore it from the beginning to end. I cannot help it. Every time I watch it, it makes me smile. <laughs> it makes me laugh. I never would have... I had my own thoughts on how Han started. And I had heard rumors and possible canon or not canon. You know, I had heard the whole thing about him being part of the Imperial Navy. That's the whole that whole thing came about from his pants in the movies were were his his the black with the red stripe is actually a, a like imperial pilot pair of pants. Now most people could be like, well maybe you just stole them, you know, and it's possible. But yet there is kind of that thing where I had heard the whole rumors about how like him and Jewy got together and like he was hauling cargo was told not to, not to look into it. And then one day the curiosity got the better of him and he opened one up while he was in transit and realized it was full of Wookiee slaves and he was only able to save Chewy, but that's what caused him to break from the empire. I don't know if that's actual canon or not canon. That was just what I had understood through rumors and other things that I had learned all through my star Wars geekdom. But when this movie came out and it showed it, and it showed kind of his history and how Chewie and him got together. To me, it made sense. I, I know it still seems a little odd that for whatever reason, the Empire is hauling around a beast with each unit. Because this is obviously not Kashyyyk. This is just, they literally just haul Chewbacca around to like, I guess, punish deserters or for entertainment or what have you. But yet, when you kind of get the whole idea of the Empire and how kind of effed up it is at times, it still makes sense to me. And so... To actually have this interaction happen, it's still based along those lines of what I kind of imagined of, of him and Chewie getting thrown into this thing. And Chewie being the elder, in a way, and always have been acting like the elder. If you really go back and watch like all the films, Chewie is like the old man in the room that's sitting there kind of going, I don't know what you young, young whippersnappers are up to, but I'm just going to come along and make sure you stay out of trouble. If you really pay attention to like every Star Wars film, that's the that's the impression I get from Chewie. He's like the old guy that's just trying to keep all these young people from killing themselves. And he's like, fine, I guess we have to go do this now because you guys are stupid. And you don't get that, but I'm pretty sure there's a couple times when he's roaring that if you really got the exact translation, that's pretty much what it is. Like, Han, you're a dumb butt. You know, that kind of thing. But it's just so fun for me and and if a movie is just extremely fun i can't help but fall in love with it i'm the easy going one out of the whole group you know it's not too nitpicky that kind of thing if i find it entertaining i'm gonna love it this one though it just hits every passion on what i think han is and on the fact that you know there's oftentimes in this film spoilers uh there's oftentimes in this film where Kira, the love of his life, mentions about how like you're you're the good guy, and he's like I'm so not good, and he's trying to fight this image of being the good guy his whole life, but he just naturally is. He's just naturally this good guy who just happens to be in this kind of underground field of work, which is he's a good smuggler, but he's really a good fellow at heart. And she always talks about that, and he's always trying to fight it, and yet it fits this cowboy, this kind of like good guy outlaw that Han always had this image that I think he always had and his his buddy Chewie that's not necessarily a sidekick it's not like Tonto or anything like that I mean he's like a full-up partner they they just do such a good job of I in my mind bringing that spirit and partnership to 
the original tr- original three movies, and then even the one good Saving Grace, in a way, to the the last three, was they to me they kind of always got that camaraderie between Chewie and Han downright, and they did the same thing here. I don't know what was going to be created before Ron Howard got involved, but he came in and saved this film. And I've never in my life ever heard of Ron Howard getting called in to fix a film that he didn't fix it. There is a part of me that where a lot of people go, I just didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there going, I don't know how you didn't get entertained by it because it's just, to me, an awesome, awesome little film. Interesting. Interesting. I I love your passion for it. I do have passion for it. I I think that's awesome. I'm not sure I agree, (laughs) but I love your passion for it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd, what about you? What did you think of this? Well, first, a couple disclaimers. I am genuinely happy that Dave loves it as much as he does. <laughs> um, we love what we love, and I, I'm not sure that we should have to justify it. I know that part of the purpose of doing a podcast like this is to, especially the way I want us to do it, is to take the things that we do love and be able to explain why we love them and to take the things that are bad and explain why they're they're bad to be constructive about our criticism and not just say oh that's great and not have a reason why or just say oh that sucks you know that's trash and not be able to back it up so i i love the fact that that dave loves this movie i also (laughs) don't agree though this movie just does almost nothing for me we can go into more detail on that later but yeah it's it just doesn't work for me there there are a lot of problems with it for me a lot of nitpicks luckily only one negative to me really rises to the level of a significant negative everything else is kind of a nitpick the bad thing is that even some of the good stuff and i don't have many good things i kind of had to scrape the bottom of the barrel even some of the good stuff i've got well it's mostly good except for this one little thing and so it's not like there's even a total consistent good thing. It's kind of like a good thing with caveats. But my second disclaimer is that despite all the negatives that I assume we're about to go over uh, in the course of this review, I also don't think it's terrible. It still ends up somewhere in the middle for me, but super middle. Like as much as Dave considers it super good, I consider it super, super mediocre. It's like, to me, the most mediocre of all the Star Wars movies, which I have to admit is a good thing compared to the prequels. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I guess that's enough for now. We'll go into more detail later. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty close to you, Todd. I'm, I'm, this movie was tough for me. There are parts of it that I really, really want to like. And there are elements of it that are entertaining. And there's some scenes that I think were done really, really well. The fact that we get to see Han's backstory and we get to see those meaningful elements that were, you know, first introduced with him as a character, I find those elements really interesting and I liked them. But unfortunately, overall, I found the movie very slow mm-hmm. and very drawn. I'll be honest, the first time I was rewatching it just for this podcast, I just fell asleep in the middle of it. And I was like, oh, crap, I got to wake up and rewind it because I'm not going to be able to talk about it if I fall asleep. It's tough. There's some there's a lot that's lacking there. I am with Dave in that I, I think Ron Howard tried to do a phenomenal job in saving this. I would hate to know what it, kind of a catastrophe it was to begin with. 
but overall it still ends up being a, a fairly mediocre movie it's it's okay to play in the background uh, if you don't want to pay attention because you're not going to miss anything and then kind of pay attention during those highlights that you like it's like once you've seen it it's kind of like oh cool yeah this is that part i kind of like this part and you watch it and then you can go away and not miss anything for 10 or 15 minutes and that's kind of my feeling on it i'm not sure that it's the worst star wars movie but it, it definitely rates way down there for me and not high in my you know list of things that i just kind of want to watch on a given day you know i, I ended up kind of trying to force myself to watch it again even after watching it once just to kind of get ready and i just couldn't even get through it i was just like yeah never mind um i've got what i need so it's not a rewatchable movie for me and that that really hurts it um again elements that i like i love seeing you know han get the millennium falcon i love seeing him meet Chewie for the first time i love seeing his you know um friendship with Lando kind of start out but those are five minute segments and five minute segments in a couple hour movie that you know for the rest of it is just kind of like yeah I don't really much there's not a whole lot there for me um so yeah uh not to not to rain on anybody's parade but that's just kind of the way I see it and and where I'm at um that being said let's let's kind of focus on a couple of positives did, did anybody have like an absolute favorite scene um uh, in this movie that they they really want to kind of talk about i'm trying to decide if i want to just disown both of you right now <laughs> i know i'm sorry you know we love you <laughs> i was kind of dreading this review for this reason they're all like yeah it's it was hard for me to watch meanwhile i'm like play repeat all day just solo 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 i'm playing games doing all kinds of crazy stuff online solo's just playing in the background i'm just like hang on a second click oh, that's so awesome i love that scene okay back to like blowing up stuff or whatever blah 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 oh it's time to eat lunch okay i'm gonna sit down and watch like an hour and then i watch the whole film and i just click it over pardon my language and you know it's like it sucks i'm like you guys are stupid you don't know what you're talking about that's why we can't ever agree on any Star Wars film ever. Just saying. I think the only thing we ever agree on is Darth Vader is the absolute best villain ever. But other than that, that's like it. The rest of the time, we're just like, whatever. <sighs> like I said, I'm thrilled for you. I just don't get it. Yeah. You have no passion. You, you have no soul. You can't see a good love story when you see it. You don't understand that when he shoots first, he shoots first because he has a good purpose and a good reason. Yeah. Well, now I will say this: that was another one of those moments that I thought was a highlight of the film. Uh-huh. At the end, he shoots first. There's no question that he shoots first. You see that it's in his character to do it, yeah, because he knows what's going to happen. He's not going to just sit back and let somebody fire at him just to so he can say he didn't shoot first. Yeah. He knows the guy's going to kill him, so he just says, "Why wait for them to shoot?" Right. I've got to end this. And see, and to then, me, the, to me, that that's the the that's the purity and the greatness of the whole film is that even though there's this love story going on and it's all more underworldy type stuff as opposed to Imperial, which actually, to be honest, there is one favorite scene I will talk about, and it does involve an Imperial. Um, but it's it, it to me, 
the whole film ends up encompassing in what you actually, I think, already know about the Han that you met in four, um, in in four, five, and six, and beyond. That character became something that even though we all have our own images of where he he arrived from we know who han is and so that was the reason like when they changed it where han didn't shoot first for whatever reason you know a lot of people freaked including myself because it was like wait what you know because we knew he was a smuggler he was a guy that was in the underworld he's not stupid if the bounty hunter is sitting across the table from him holding a gun on him and he has the opportunity to blast him he's going to blast him because he's all about survival you know and this film grounds that into where he's from and how he got involved in the whole thing and meeting Beckett, the character Beckett, and how Beckett is. Han realizes this is how pretty much everybody's going to be in and is going to be like in this field of work that he's can do and do well. And so he's not going to be stupid. And so it ends up culminating by the end of it, like I said, in the scene that we talked about where you know, Beckett's like, you know, he's starting to talk to him like, you know, okay, I got one last thing for, and then Han just shoots him because he knows what's about to happen. He's learned. He's, he's gotten to that point where he's like, I'm not just going to kill you just for the sake of kill you because I'm not just a cold blooded murderer, but yet I know what you're about to do because I know who you are. And that's the great lesson. Han has this ability. I guess if there's any kind of major power about Han, Han knows how people are going to act. It's very rare that he's going to get surprised how somebody acts, except for maybe Lando, which does, you know, from the older films, does kind of double cross him. But even then, it was like he was kind of expecting it, but not really, because he doesn't really try to shoot Lando. He tries to get away. And so it's one of those where there is this friendship to him, where if you earn your loyalty with Han Solo, he's going to show it back. As far as one of my favorite scenes, and it's going to be stupid, it happens at the very beginning. This is a dumb scene, but I just like it. I think it's funny as I'll get out. Because this poor guy, this this poor Imperial, whoever would have thought that, that word, those words would have come out of my mouth, this poor Imperial guy. So it's Corellia, and Han's trying to get away from his gang because he's pretty much you know done this whole dumb thing, faked a thermal detonator with a rock, and broke a window, and his mob boss can't take sunlight. And so you know, evidently she's part vampire, whatever, doesn't matter. He takes off with Kira. They're trying to escape, flying through the streets of Corellia. And there's this poor Imperial trooper, obviously poor Imperial cop, you know, and he's just sitting there. And there goes a speeder, obviously speeding, and another speeder, obviously speeding. So he does his job. He jumps on his speeder bike and goes off. Now, I don't know if this was before the new model of speeder bikes came out or what, but this poor Imperial evidently. They gave him the clunker that day because this is the worst speeder I've ever seen in my life. It's basically like a box and he's on it, can barely see it, has to like look left or right. And he's trying to tell these two guys to pull over. And of course he wrecks and crashes. But to me, it's the most funniest thing in the world to see these two guys go flying through there. The Imperial trying to stop them. They're ignoring him and end up just like wrecking him. And what's funny is the guy does make it, but this had to be like the worst day for him to just lose his speeder. Crap gets tore up. And I don't know why I find it funny, but I just find it funny. Because I, to me, when I see some of the more common stuff, and I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why I love this film. This film is full of a lot of interactions and things going on beyond the big story. This is like, you're seeing to me more of what's commonly going on on the planets between people under the Empire and before the Rebellion. 
you see a lot of that interaction of like, well, here's the criminal guys and see how they're living. And here's like the other kids and everything that can't get off worlds and are all orphans or whatever, for whatever reason and how they're interacting and Lando, you know, being in a, in a poker game to me, you're seeing more of that. This is what kind of normally goes on during the day when you're not fighting tie fighters, et cetera, and so forth. And I enjoy that to have that deeper to me, backstory. Because this film, to me, is full of that, in which you see the more common day occurrences of people in the Star Wars universe. Okay, okay. I like it. I like it. That was a fun scene. Uh, yeah. It, it, it reminds me of that, you know, what is that, homemade, like, Imperial Cops or whatever video. <laughs> like, here's this poor Imperial Cop, and he gets wasted right at the beginning. Yeah. Um, how about you, Todd? Did you have a favorite scene or not really? Not really, but I guess I've got one that's kind of a positive and it's not so much a scene as much as it's a kind of a sequence of scenes. And that is near the end of the movie when we actually do have the Millennium Falcon in play and we get to see the interior of it. In this movie, I, we probably get to see more of the interior than we ever do before. We get to see some of the corridors and the, in the different rooms and the decor. And it's kind of weird that we're finally seeing it after all these movies when it's in a totally different state than it was before. And that's another thing that I like about it is seeing it in its maybe not original state, because I'm pretty sure that Lando had it modified because it's still technically a freighter that he kind of turned into, I guess you could call it a yacht or something. So if you consider that to be the original, like even with his modifications, that to be the original version of the Millennium Falcon, it looks very different than it does with Han later. So it is kind of neat to see it so clean and bright and pristine and everything. So I thought that was kind of cool. I, like I said, it's got a built-in negative uh, there, but I'll I'll leave it positive for now. Lando's cape room. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean, that's kind of funny where she walks into the closet, capes all over the place. And at one point, she tries to put out a fire with one of his capes. And she's like, I forgot what it was. Like, hey, that's like, I forgot what it was. Something. He was like, this is like, that's like Andorian silk or something like that. I forgot what it was. But it's just hilarious. And I can't help but wonder, there's a scene in the original trilogy. Leia is trying to repair something. Han comes up behind her or in front of her or whatever. And they're having one of their little uh, spats. It's probably in Empire. And I can't help but wonder where that is, is if it's like some kind of repair alcove, could that possibly be what the closet used to be in the Lando days? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. All right. So I'll give you mine really quickly. I enjoyed the the heist scene there on Kessel where they're they're infiltrating. They start a, a whole rebellion with the robots and the, setting the slaves free. You know, I I felt like that was kind of the the peak of the movie for me. It's like, oh, okay, here we are, we're 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 in it now. You know, they've got a plan. They, of course, um, things don't always go as planned. You know, they're not supposed to improvise, but then he's even told by Beck, yeah, he told uh, improvise. Oh, we're not supposed to improvise. Um, that that scene was probably my favorite in the movie. <laughs> that, that, uh, that's what I said, my Galena. <laughs> My, That's uh, what I said. Sorry. Go um, ahead. I'll kind of be like Todd here in a little, uh, a little bit, and, and I'm going to kind of segue this into some negatives. Sadly, um, one of the the things that I felt like was some of the best parts of this movie um, didn't last. Um, you know, two of my favorite characters in this were were, you know, 
T3, the or L3, I'm sorry, not T3, L3, the robot, and Rio, both of yeah. which die within like 10 minutes of being introduced. And it's like, <laughs> you have a great character and then immediately kill them off and you don't get to enjoy them anymore. I know. Uh, you know what? I figured it out. I know why you guys don't like this film, but go ahead. <laughs> but that was that was you know one of those scenes that I enjoyed the the whole heist. I enjoyed that, of course. But then we kill off L three um, right there in it towards the She's end. She's not dead. She's uh, part of the ship now. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but uh, that that was kind of where we were at. But why do you think we don't like this movie? Because you guys couldn't stand the scene where L three and Kira have the uh, lady talk about their respective male partners that's why that you can't little, handle that it was a little creepy <laughs> i'm but to me that's great because all right little backstory here in case because i wondered who l3 was I, I really did i was trying to figure out what kind of droid she was because she was brand new you know it was one of those where it was like wow totally new droid we have never seen this before we've seen a bipedal but we've never seen one that had such an opinionated thought process, et cetera, and so forth. There's only been one droid that we ever got close to of having that kind of opinionated nature to, and it was R2. R2 was like the only one that we had ever met, and you could never understand it because C-3PO had to translate for it. Well, I did some researching, and, and actually this is also in behind the scenes, which is a, a little bit cheating, but this is just something I remember from it. Uh, L3 is actually an astromech. Um, what happened was she was not an r2 series she was an r1 series which is the ones that had like the not the dome head but they had the a flat circular head but they looked just like an r2 droid or, or they basically would look like an r2 unit it was just they had that different head and were a little bit boxier well what ended up happening supposedly was that uh l3 she just decided she was going to start upgrading herself that she wanted to be more mobile and so she started like scavenging. And if you actually pay attention to L3, if you if you pause it in a few places, if it ever interests you, if you look at her arms, they're actually astromech droids. They're actually astromech legs. Um, and she's just upgraded herself to and improved herself to basically make her into a bipedal droid and even stole her own, even stole a, a voice recognition, a voice modulator and all that kind of stuff. She upgraded herself into, the, into that droid because she was that opinionated and somehow just was able to let be let run wild till she got to that point and some i don't know where lando got her i don't know if somehow he just convinced her to hang with him or if he won her or what but that's basically what l3 is l3 is actually an what would happen if an astromech droid decided to make itself into a protocol unit without the protocol and that's basically the, what that is <laughs> and so it's one of the other reasons also why lando doesn't have her wiped because of the fact that she's been around so long and has logged so much star data that literally she does have like star charts that nobody else could possibly even get a hold of and lanes and all that kind of stuff just from being that old because the r1 series is like old republic days like technically she should be like a thousand years old almost as far as star wars goes now i don't know if that's actually true or not but basically that's kind of the thought process here is that so when she does buy it and becomes part of the Millennium Falcon. That's part of the reason why the Millennium Falcon is as badass as it is, because part of the brain of the Millennium Falcon is L3 and her star charts, and it's one of the reasons that it is such a special ship. Just one of those let's, weird things. Let's, because I want to make sure we have time to get into some other things before we get into our lightning round. 
Um, Todd, I know you've got a few negatives. Do you want to lay them into us? Yeah, I can. First, to follow up on what you guys have been talking about with L3, I did not like L3. To me, she was oh. just weird. <laughs> she was off-putting. And Dave, you were talking about the scene with the the, the two of them talking, uh, her and Kira talking. I have mixed feelings about that scene. It's most The scene is mostly dominated by L3. So since I find her off-putting and a little bit too human-like, I, I don't like that scene mostly because of her. But it's funny that you bring up, you know, the two women talking. There is something called the Bechdel test. And I'm not an expert on it, but it's some kind of test that you that you use to gauge whether two women can be in a scene together in a movie, TV show, maybe a play, and be able to talk about something other than men. And I do remember watching that scene and realizing, oh, this scene totally fails the Bechdel test <laughs> because they're talking about the men in their life. And it's like, oh, so the only two, well, I guess technically two out of the three females in this movie, and they're talking about men. So yeah, I wasn't crazy about L3. Um, if we are getting into negatives, here's my biggest one. Oh boy, here we go. To me, this is a very drab movie. It is just visually dark and sometimes nearly grayscale. And sometimes even if there is a color like red or blue, it's like it's just that color. It's like there's one dominant color throughout. And I have a few details for that. It's about 25 minutes before we see the sun in this movie. So there's a whole there are a whole lot of dark scenes that are barely lit, or if it is outdoors, it's extremely gloomy. When we do finally see the sun, that only lasts for a few seconds before the film goes to this snowy mountain terrain uh, for the train heist scene, and then everything is dark and grayscale. And then we see the sun again at the 39-minute mark, but it, there's still snow and fog. Then we see the sun again at the 41-and-a-half-minute mark, but it's still cloudy and hazy. Then we go into Dryden Voss's penthouse, and, you know, he's got that oddly-shaped ship that is taller than it is wide. And so they're at the top of it, and there are windows all around. So you think, okay, through the windows, maybe we could see the scenery or something. But all of the windows are just blown out. You, it's just like nothing but glare through all the windows. So we don't even get to see anything through the windows. And the party is kind of dark. It's barely lit. So it's like the entire first half of the movie is painted in shadow, glare, and haze. And uh, even the first appearance of the Millennium Falcon is not as exciting as it should be because of how dark and smoky it is in the cavern where it's parked. And then, uh, let me see, it's a little over ha uh, an hour into the movie. Uh, we do finally see a somewhat well-lit shot in the Millennium Falcon. Like I said, it's a little bit bright. So we finally see it, but it takes an hour to get there. And then so much of the Kessel Run is also dark to the point that it was almost hard to appreciate some of the special effects uh, involved. And it was sometimes a little bit hard to tell what was going on. Not impossible, but just it just didn't come off as being as visually and tonally vibrant as most Star Wars movies do. And, you know, uh, a lot of the Star Wars movies that have come out in the past few years have been very divisive. And probably the most divisive is The Last Jedi. You either love it or you hate it. And I'm probably one of the few people stuck somewhere in the middle where I, it's hard for me to make up my mind. I think I technically like it, but I've got major issues with it. Despite all that, I think it might be the most visually vibrant movie of all the Star Wars movies. And that's one thing I've got to give that movie credit for, regardless of what you think about the story or the characters, is visually vibrant. That vibrancy, that visual pop 
to me is missing throughout almost this entire movie. And so not only do I have problems with the story or the characters, I'm not sure I'm going to have time to go into, but it didn't even feel like a spectacle like most Star Wars movies do. So it's like in the end, I couldn't get into the visuals. And so there was yet another thing missing for me. But it's not a Star Wars film. I mean, it is. You, you cut out a little bit. Oh, did I? Yeah. I was like, uh, yeah, I understand it's a Star Wars film, but it's not a Star Wars film. It's a solo film. It's it's from his end of the world, and it's dark and gray. And not only that, all the parts you were talking about dark and gray made sense about being dark and gray. First of all, Corellia, it was an industrial section of the planet. The next part was um, a war. When you finally get some sunshine, it's because they're flying to where they're going, and then they spend the night after they talk about what they got to hit, and then it's a snowfield. It's not dark. It's snowy. I get it, and I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm saying it's relentless. It's relentless drabness. It's like there's no escape from it throughout the entire movie. Okay. And does it make sense? Maybe. But it just, it's one of those things that made it not feel like a Star Wars movie. And you're saying, oh, it's not a Star Wars movie, it's a solo movie, but it that's part of the Star Wars universe. And I can understand if parts of it are going to be drab intentionally, but then give me something. And it, it never did. Well, yeah. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> you guys are used to the whole Imperial Rebellion thing, and you're looking at, at at the you're looking at the whole universe from that perspective because that's what most of the stories are about, Imperial or Rebellion. And so, therefore, you had the Imperial Mark, which is you know uh, all gray steel, blah blah blah, whatever. And then the Rebellion is supposed to be like kind of the more uh, artsy fartsy type Republic type feel. This is the part of the universe where it's meant to be dirty and grimy the whole time because that's where Han lives. And so I don't know. I understand what you're saying, but I'm also kind of like, whatever. But this is also, I think, a good transition into getting to, to because I know we wanted to talk about this, about why that why this particular film seemed to have failed, because I understand how some people didn't like it, and I understand how I like people like me loved it. But I think one of the big things about one of the reasons why this film seemed to not have done well is because I think a lot of it had to do with people were so pissed off at Last Jedi because Last Jedi had angered so many people in in their idea and aspect of Star Wars that they were going to be extra hard on the next one, which was unfortunately Solo. And then on top of all that, you had all these rumors come out from a lot of leakers who were passionate about Star Wars, but then they shot themselves in the foot because I remember particularly when this, before this film came out, people were talking about the directors and what they were doing and how things were changing and how like there were supposed to be all these kind of things that would have just seemed really, really weird to have been an origin story, even for solo to the point that Disney did at some point fire these two guys and bring in Ron Howard to try to correct everything. But yet somehow that transition was lost to me. And I think that's what did a lot of it. Everybody got worked into a froth by certain people, toxic fandom, whatever you want to call it. They got worked into such a froth to hate this film that when the corrections were made that would possibly give it a chance, like a director like Ron Howard, who does such a good job of fixing stuff. I know of at least three or four films that he's fixed that have turned out to be really good or at least watchable. It was weird. Like all that information on what they did to save it got lost and people continued to just keep frothing at the mouth of all the things they were supposedly going to do that when the film actually came out i think that's really what hurt it was that so many people didn't pay attention to what they did to try to save the film that they didn't give it a chance and i think that's mostly why it it, it didn't do well um not because that. you know and that's my my opinion on the whole 
Yeah, I can see that. I think, and I think even Ron Howard came out and felt like there was like almost a predestination or, or some of the, the, the stuff that happened beforehand kind of almost sabotaged the success of the, of this film. So I know that that's kind of even a standing theory. I would kind of argue because sadly, I just don't have the time or the energy to keep up with that stuff that I didn't know any of that going into it. So my rating on it wouldn't be based on that. And again, I just found it lacking. I found the pacing of the movie, you know, just, just off, you know, and, and it, and it didn't flow. Now that flow, the error or the problem with the flow may come from the fact that, you know, Ron is doing his best with the footage that he has to try to piece something together and, and get something doable. And I, I do feel like he probably came up with a pretty good product for what he had. But I wonder if some of it is just not overcomable, you know, if, if there was just so much there that, you know, it's like, well, we got these pieces, we got to kind of put them there and it just didn't work. Todd, what do you think? What's, what's your, what's your thoughts on? I think Dave was partially onto something about people prejudging it. I am one of the people that kept up with the news. I was watching Collider Jedi Council, Screen Junkies Universe News. I check IO9 all the time. You know, so all kinds of websites and YouTube shows that would keep up with the, the news of the Star Wars movies, not just after they're out, but while they're being produced. So I did go into this knowing some of the controversies about Lord Miller being fired. So I admit it was a little bit distracting and it may have been even more distracting to other people where you watch it and the whole time you're thinking, I wonder what's a Lord Miller shot and what is a Ron Howard shot? I wonder if that was original or I wonder if that was reshot. And so the whole time you're, you're thinking what's what. And so it can be a little distracting. That's why, even though I didn't have a great reaction to this, even when I saw it in the theater, I was eager to to see it when it came out on streaming because I thought, let me give this a fair shot. Like, I think there might have been a little bit of positive attitude just being able to go to the theater. And then when I was able to watch it a second time and examine it a little bit more, it actually went down a letter grade. So, so despite the distraction, I think there's still something there about how to some people, at least part of the populace, it didn't quite work. And you said that there was something about it that was off there were a lot of things like that to me that were off so many things where I was like, is that good? Is that bad? I can't even tell. It's like, I can't even make up my mind on certain aspects of it. Uh, but another logistical thing is that out of the five star Wars movies that have come out since Disney took over star Wars, this was the only one to come out in may instead of at Christmas. So that might've had something to do with it. It might've had more competition. Uh, it came out in late May, but you know, there's always a Marvel movie that comes out the very first of May or the last of April. So it might've still had competition from whatever the Marvel movie was that year, which actually I think was Infinity War. It was, yeah. So that was a big deal. And then you've got whatever else might be coming out that weekend uh, or maybe the weekend before. I think Deadpool 2 was also competing at that time, which wasn't a great movie, but. No, no, I didn't like Deadpool <laughs> 2 either. But so I think that might have been part oh of Oh my and... God! I am going to have to. The, the disowned. I, disowned. <laughs> I like I the first Deadpool, but not the second. I, I can't. This, this, never mind. Don't get me wrong. Dead, the first Deadpool was. We're not even talking about Deadpool, but the first one was better than the second one. I got that, but yeah, still. You know, okay. Continue. <laughs> sorry. 
for some of the things we're talking about, I think Kathleen Kennedy sometimes gets blamed. And there's even speculation now that she might eventually step down and somebody else might rise up and, and become the head of, of Star Wars. But I'm not positive. But if I remember correctly from all that news I used to keep up with, I think it was Bob Iger, the very tip top guy at Disney, who insisted for some reason on this coming out in May instead of December. I could be remembering that wrong. If anybody, if I am remembering that wrong, I'm sure somebody's screaming into their podcast listening device right now. But I think it might have been. Page. <laughs> yeah, but I think it might have been him that insisted on it for some weird reason. I'm not sure exactly why, instead of Kathleen Kennedy. So it's like, this is one thing that I'm not even sure she can be blamed for if you do feel like some of the Star Wars issues are, are her fault. I want to throw out a I want to throw out a question and I want to see how you guys think. I have noticed a shift and I'm going to blame it on on Game of Thrones, cinematic TV, but I can relate it to this cuz now we have The Mandalorian that came out as a TV show in the in the Star Wars universe. How do you I can't help but think that this would have been better as a TV show. No. They could have done 10 episodes, 30 minutes long, and almost break apart all these things that happened in this movie. And I would have been a little bit happier because I would got to explore those little nuggets a little bit more. In about every episode, I would have had some great, you know, oh, you know, here's the first episode. He's he's escaping from um, Corellia. You know, here's an episode where he meets Chewie. Yeah, that's awesome. Here's an episode where he meets Lando. Here's the episode where he gets the Millennium Falcon. I I feel like it could have been done better, that kind of setting, than what we got in this movie. Mm. You don't agree, Dave? Nope. Nope? But you loved it. You liked the the whole setting. What about you, Todd? I just don't think it would work. Well, I agree because... I'm the TV guy. I kind of feel like there are all kinds of things that would probably work better as a TV show than a movie because you have more time to develop things. And like you said, each little piece of this movie that maybe it was great to some people or maybe a little bit deficient to others could have been explored in more detail in an episode and it would have been self-contained. Like you said, there could be one episode for meeting Chewbacca, one for meeting Lana Calrissian, one for getting the Millennium Falcon. And each one of those things could have been delved into deeper rather than uh, rushed through. I'm not too positive about this because I've also heard among some of those news programs and, and YouTube videos that I watch, I've heard some people describe this as the movie nobody asked for. And I don't know if that's just a catchphrase that somebody kind of used and, and maybe it was reused by a few other people, but I can't help but wonder if maybe there just wasn't a huge demand to go into Han Solo's backstory. Seeing him as a scoundrel in the original series, is that enough to some people? And I think maybe to some people it was. And I don't know if, if we needed to see the first meeting of Chewie, and I don't know if we needed to see the him getting the ship. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt, but you've got to do it right. And it sounds like it went really well for Dave, that he he loved it, but it I, I also get the impression it's not universally loved. And those moments maybe didn't work as well as they could have for approximately half, give or take a quarter of the, the Star Wars fandom. And so sure you could do them, but you got to do them right. And because this movie was kind of plagued with problems, not sure everything came off right. I want to give you like two minutes and I'm going to do this mainly because I've heard you talk about it a couple of times in the past. You had a reason that you thought that they made this movie. Did you want to share that? Who? You. Oh, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, oh, the cra- you want the crazy fan theory? 
I want the crazy fan fan theory of why you thought they they did this movie and and what some of the other movies were supposed to lead to. Um, in two minutes, really quickly. I don't know if I can do that. Though. Okay, so you want crazy <laughs> fan theory with no context? Great. So now people are going to be like, "He's the nut." Well, it was real. I think it was real simple, or I think it's very obvious. I think it's just simply the fact that um, we all know the oldest movies are three, are four, five, and six, and they're also the most beloved. So the only way they could ever possibly be remade would be if you literally remade them verbatim. In other words, I don't think you could do anything beyond you could do you couldn't do anything with the script not if you wanted to value your life you couldn't do anything with the script the script would have to absolutely be the same it'd have to be verbatim shot for shot the only thing you could do would be to upgrade the graphics etc and so forth and make it just look you know as awesome as you could 20 years later with the new technology that being said i honestly think disney possibly had that thought where they said well if solo does what does well and we've got an origin story for solo then we need to go and do other little offshoot Star Wars movies like one for Leia and show like her as a young Leia and how she got started and then have Luke on Tatooine and like maybe some of his adventures uh, possibly do a Kenobi movie, et cetera, so forth. And they would basically just make this, this little bit of a cash cow in which they would go back and show uh, each of the, each of the main characters that you saw, like in four, even Vader probably have a Vader movie. You would go through this whole thing. And if they all did decent, then I think what you, what they were basically planning on doing, and this is completely crazy fan theory or, you know, completely crazy Dave theory was you would have had a younger cast eventually set in stone as being the younger versions of these characters, because eventually, you know, uh, well, like we've lost Carrie Fisher. Unfortunately, we've lost everybody except for uh, Luke Han and, and, and C-3PO. You would eventually gotten to a point where maybe 10 years down the line, you could actually go, we're going to remake four, five and six. And I think it would have worked if people had established these younger people to be the new main body playing the younger people. And as long as they didn't do anything like change the script, in other words, just redid it, just absolute, not a reboot, anything. We just remade four. We did the whole same script, everything. We did five, the whole same script, everything. We did six, the whole same, uh, uh, same script and everything. Just with these new characters to represent the younger selves of the people. It probably would have worked, but I think that's really what happened, that when all the crazy mess around Solo happened, it caused such a controversy with, I think, the toxic fandom, which I really think was the main reason. Disney just kind of went, ah, it's not worth it. And then also with the rumors now running around, which we're not going to talk about, but it's well, we can talk about point. Yeah, we could talk for, you know, many, many episodes on the rumors around Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but no, I did want to throw that out there. I always thought that was an interesting theory that you've had. You've shared it with us in the past. And and I could see that train, you know, hey, here was Han. We have a new character. We have a new Lando. Mm. Introduce the other characters and then use those actors to reshoot the film, I think would, would have been kind of a neat way to try to go about it. Uh, it's interesting that it did, it kind of flopped so hard. But it's that time. We've run out of time for our Discussion. It is time to go to our lightning round. Lift off and the clock has Where each of us will have 30 seconds to discuss anything that we want about this movie, throw out any others. Um, you know, for those of you who listen, a lot of times we enjoy just hearing Todd, you know, speak as fast as he can yes. to get as much stuff in um, at one time. And who wants to go first? You Downey Thomases go first. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. Who's going to ping me in? Okay, I got the timer. Are you ready? Oh, I am ready. Okay, go. 
All right. So my biggest, biggest complaint about this movie was I couldn't figure out where they were going. It was all this setup. There's all this going on. The whole movie is nothing but a setup movie. And it looked like it was going somewhere, but then you're just left hanging and there's nowhere to go. It was like, great. Okay. Um, the other thing is Dave talked about the romance. I felt that the romance was cheap. It didn't evolve into anything to me. It didn't feel any emotion between the characters. It just didn't work. Um, but yeah. Okay. I got a couple in, so that's not too bad. Uh, Todd, okay. you want to go next? And then we'll finish on the happy note with Dave. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go next. Okay, okay, so ready? Go. Yes, the music is good. Donald Glover is mostly good as Lando. Uh, it is kind of great to see Chewie. Uh, one quote, Honda Chewie, you're 190 years old. You look great. Uh, I think that Beckett didn't seem to have much of a reaction to the death of Rio and Val. I thought it was kind of weird when Han finally met up with Kira. I thought the whole plan with the coaxial was kind of weird. And what is up with the dice? The dice, they they didn't make that important until The Last Jedi in this movie. It barely shows up in A New Hope. It's like they're manufacturing the salary. Oh, I did it. Oh, I got it yeah. all my points. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think he even took a breath in there. We're we're gonna have to obviously make the lightning round shorter now. Because <laughs> no. that's no. just not allowed. This is not allowed. <laughs> Daddy, you gotta come up with more points. This is all I was doing. Seriously, every single point. Although, like I said, some of my positives had built-in negatives, and I skipped the negatives. So, okay, okay, okay. So, oh wait, sorry. Mm. I have Dave. Uh, yeah, I know. Sorry, I stood up and started walking around again. Dave, are you ready? Sure. Okay. Go. Regardless of what anybody says about this movie, um, the two characters they got to play Lando and Han are excellent. Period. They both nailed it, in my opinion, um, 100%. I don't think that you can really look at them and see how they act and not believe that this was young Han and young Lando. Um, as far as the movie going anyplace, uh, I think you can tell that they really seriously thought that there was going to be a sequel to this film. I think they really were setting this up because there's so many things left that you just know that it was meant to have at least another film, if not maybe two more. And it just fell through. That's all it is. Good job. And I didn't realize until I sat back down that I actually had the stopwatch on instead of the timer. So I, was, I did watch it, but I felt so bad that we that we trashed your, your movie that you love. I gave you five extra seconds. Aw. <laughs> Thanks. You didn't trash my film. I know quality. <laughs> I know I, I know who knows their crap in this group. Trust me. <laughs> I've just right. been I've been carrying you guys for years. <laughs> now it's time for where the rubber hits the road. Um so we've got to actually put a rating to this movie. Uh who wants to go first? Well, I think our typical order is you with the numbers, me with the letter grade, okay. and me with the verbal. Let's go for it then. I will go ahead and 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 give it my uh my rating it's as much as we talk about it it's not a horrible movie it's it's there's a lot to like you can kill a couple hours it'll put you to sleep on a saturday if you want to curl up on a couch and watch it i don't need your pity um, <laughs> so i gave it a six out of ten. Six out of ten six out okay as I mentioned i felt like this was a visually dark and drab movie with few if any memorable visuals uh it wasn't very interesting it wasn't very fun it wasn't very quotable uh despite all that it also wasn't horrible so it ends up being the most mediocre of all the star wars movies 
it kind of feels like a movie that is checking off boxes. And I don't know if I got the chance to say this earlier, but a lot of those things like the first meeting of Lando Calrissian, the Kessel Run, meeting of Chewbacca, I know those are supposed to be big things, but to me, all those big moments were also kind of disappointing. So in the end, I give this a letter grade of a C plus. As I said, this was down from when I saw it in the theater. I think I gave it a B minus in the theater. The second time I saw it at home, I bumped it down to C plus. This was the third time I was almost tempted to bump it down again. In fact, this recording is rescheduled. We were supposed to do this about uh, approximately a week ago. And about 10 minutes before we were going to start recording last time, it actually was a C. And then I thought, uh, I, I think it's, I think I'll bump it up to a C plus, but it's right on the edge between being mediocre and disappointing. So I hate to say that, but, but now we get to the positive review. So Dave, go for it. I think my friends are idiots. Yep. And they obviously are not true Star Wars fans at all, ever. They've lied to me for years. I just, it's, it's heartbreaking. You just have no idea. I feel so betrayed. It's, it's no wonder, it's no wonder Vader like put on a black mask and, swung a red lightsaber around i'm just saying anyway moving on star wars um, movie of the last three years the mandalorian okay. <laughs> yes yes for the last three years yeah probably um uh, I, I i'm like way on the other end i'm like buy this film like if you if you like star wars and you own star wars films buy it you need to buy this film it needs to be in your collection like, period I, I don't know if i'm just easy going or just that much like it just entertains me and that's the whole reason i judge films which a lot of it is you know if it's fun and entertaining i'm probably gonna love it no matter what might be possibly wrong with something uh but yeah this is like top level like pay full price buy the thing get it get it any which way you can uh to me it's just enjoy it for what it is it's a different aspect i've often talked about how you can do any story in Star Wars and it doesn't have to be Star Wars. And to me, that's what Solo is. It's it's one of those few films like Rogue One that is not, it's a Star Wars film, but it's not a Star Wars story, really. It's, it's, a, it's somebody else in the universe and the way that they live and their path and what they go through. And I, I know how a lot of people are like, you know, there was all these events that weren't grand and i'm sitting there thinking how grand does it have to be to meet your buddy if we look back in our own life about how we met um you know just to tell stories me and dave met on a school bus going to extracurricular summer classes that's not very grand if you filmed that <laughs> people would be like what and todd and me and dave we met in high school and I'm not even exactly sure how it happened. It just kind of like, yeah, Todd's here. Ger a German class. Oh, yeah. It's because now and now I remember, you know what it would have been? You know what they would have filmed? They would have filmed us laughing about our German teacher and how we think she's a Nazi. And that's how we basically all started hanging out. Was you that know, we th th this is a public forum. And, and I think, <laughs> I think we need to clarify it. that we and I don't think I ever thought that i think you're on an island here first year german okay, she was okay. fine second year german total total hitler babe. no no I, I i agree i think there's actually some very valid points there i think you know that the, it's a buddy it is a buddy film yeah um I, you know anyway. i think todd and i probably had some issues with it it seemed like it was a film that couldn't decide what it was wanting to be is it a great train robbery is it a space adventure is it a buddy film is it a love story it tried to be all of those things and ended up being 
not very much of any of them. And see, uh, I disagree. I think they were all of them. I, that's what I love about it. It's like, it doesn't matter. Just pick something. It's all good. To me, whenever I, I thought in my head how, to, how I would describe this movie, again, not terrible, but it ends up being a big ball of nothing. Because yeah. everything that should rise to a certain level doesn't quite get there. Okay, so we're gonna do Empire. Right. We're gonna do Empire Strikes Back next, and I'm just gonna tell you how much it sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> nope. It is that time though. We have to go ahead and throw out there our our suggestions for what we're going to do next time. Which as soon and... as I said that, like thousands of Star Wars fans just went, oh, "What?" Millions of voices do... cried out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a it's like there's just millions of voices cried out, and then suddenly we're silenced. Um, who has a suggestion for next week? Killer Clowns. Oh, no. Oh, crap. <laughs> I was hoping I could cut it off at the pass, but no. Nope. But you do realize that this is episode seven. Yeah. So... The joke is going to get old around episode three, which is in the past. <laughs> who said it was a joke? <laughs> I want to do Killer Clowns. Have you not figured that out? Let me... Seven episodes, you thought this was just a running gag? No. I want to do Killer Clowns. That's what makes it funny, because <laughs> I really do want to do Killer Clowns. Killer Clowns from outer space. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then, but what if it rates higher than Solo? I mean, uh, well, then you know that just proves my point. I think because <laughs> if you guys end up watching Killer Clowns and go, "Yeah, I give it an eight, nor I give it like a seven or something, and I'm be like, "See, should have done Killer Clowns instead of Solo." <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry to interrupt things. But going back to Solo real quick, uh, just so I can put in the sound effect, Dave, where did you say you ranked Solo in, in the Star Wars movies? It was like my favorite, I think. Okay, cool. I'll put in the sound effect. <laughs> I'm putting in an applause sound effect for perfect scores. Okay, okay. Oh, oh okay. okay. So now your real suggestion. Killer Clowns? <sighs> Okay, let me do one. Uh, this is a movie that is also not perfect. There are some things about it that are kind of weird, kind of out there. One particular character that's kind of annoying. But the thing overall is also kind of charming. Uh, also science fiction, kind of futuristic. How about the fifth element? How many elements are there? Well, apparently five. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, I don't know. Maybe there are six or seven elements. You know, Maybe there will be a sequel someday. Well, you know, that's weird. It's so strange. That's such a good film, but yet I was just sitting here going, it's really easy to forget that film for some reason. Why? You know, that's another one of those films, and I think we had another one that we talked about. Tremors. Um, I think it was A Knight's Tale. That was one of those films that first watching, I didn't like it. Second watching, I was like, no, this is cool. I like this. And and the more I watched it, the more I kind of got into the, the the plot and the depth of the the story. I was like, no, it's a movie. So Fifth Element's an, an interesting choice because it was it was one of those first watches. I didn't really enjoy. I thought it was kind of a bad movie. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but it just didn't think it was that good. Um, and then the more I watched it, I was like, oh, it grows on me. So that's a that's an interesting one. I'm gonna throw out one just to kind of go a different route because we haven't really done this. Uh, but, you know, I'm the one with all the kids. So I'm going to throw out a cartoon, Big Hero 6. Mm. Nice. Science fiction, cartoon, Pixar. Um, yeah, always good. 
So uh, Big Hero 6, I, I will throw that one out there as an opportunity to see if we can uh, uh, see what y'all think of that one. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, Dave. Besides mm-hmm. Killer Clowns. <laughs> How come I always got to give two when I say Killer Clowns? You guys are like, besides Killer Clowns. <laughs> It's like it's like it's like we're like already determined that it's just not going to happen. Uh, we're, we're saving that for a special episode. If we make it to a hundred episodes, maybe we'll do Killer Clowns. We better do Killer Clowns for a hundred episodes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay, if you're going to make us do Killer Clowns, and Dave might make us do Dune, I'm going to have to come up with the most wretched movie in the history of mankind to make <laughs> you guys watch it. Oh, oh. that's oh well. Seeing if you're going to talk about that, then how about um. Um. Oh, hang on. Ten thousand BC. Ha. Huh. There you go. Ooh. I think uh, I've only seen that once. I, I I've never seen it. Uh, the only re- the, the only way the reason I saw it is because I was on a plane over a giant ocean and it was <laughs> an <there>. airplane movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys want to bullshit? Fine. There you go. It right, right. is is sci-fi. I think. I don't know. Maybe. I think it's got aliens in it or something. Uh, <laughs> we'll put out there <laughs> something like that alright guys um, well thank you all for listening uh, hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Discerning Geeks Portal uh, definitely check us out on our Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff and we will catch you guys next week have a good weekend thank you for tuning in traitors <laughs>
Okay, great. I look forward to it. Bye. Whew. Wow, what a diva. Okay, where was I? Oh, no, 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 not you too. No, no, I am doing the outro this time. I do not have anything against droids. You are useful and adorable. But I am doing the outro this time. And that's final. Now scoot. And watch your language. I'll talk to you later. Greetings. Out. Now. Greetings, scoundrels and smugglers. Thank you for stepping through the portal with us for another episode. If you'd like to tell us your favorite Star Wars movie, you can find us on Facebook at Discerning Geeks Portal or on Twitter at Discerning Geeks. Our email address is discerninggeeks at gmail.com. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please be lenient and constructive. We're still new to this. Until our next Kessel Run, be well. Don't let a Wookiee pull your arms out of their sockets. Oh, crap. I forgot he can do that. And continue enjoying whatever makes you a discerning geek. Mm.